Hey, Toon Army, this is your host, Greg Troxel. We're bringing you the second episode of Talk of the Toon. Uh, talk of the Toon is a segment that we started where we're bringing in more high-profile guests to talk about the situation at Newcastle United. Current situation, their past, their careers, how it all connects. Um, the first interview came at the last international break. It was with Tony Evans. He's a ESPN and Standard Sport reporter and also a personal friend of Rafa. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to it. It was a great interview. And this we're very excited about because we have a legend of the time for sure, Warren Barton. And Warren talked about his career at Newcastle United as well as the current state of the club and his thoughts on that. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Give us a follow on our new Twitter account, at CHN underscore radio. Still follow our, our regular page at Coming Home NUFC and ComingHomeNewcastle.com. For feedback, interviews, suggestions, whatever it may be, uh, shoot us over an email at CHNRadioNUFC at gmail.com. Don't forget, rate us five stars. Give us reviews. We really need it. But without further ado, enjoy this interview and Hawaii the Lads. I went to bleeding races, it was on the 9th of June. 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio Talk of the Tune. We are very excited with you because we have Elijah and I have a special guest. We've been kind of kind of really hoping for this. I know the people have asked for this, and we have a former player, black and white, an entertainer among entertainers, a fullback's fullback. A victor of Barcelona himself, a legend of the time, and current Fox Soccer analyst Warren Barton. How are you doing? I'm very well, my friends. Very well. Looking forward to it. Did I did I live up to the expectations in that intro? Yeah, no, no. You didn't miss anything out there. I mean, you could have kept going, but it was fine. It was a perfect intro. That's one of the best right. I've ever had. All right, good, good, good. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll get right into it. Um, a lot of people obviously know your, from your playing career, and that's where I wanted to kind of start with this. So... I was kind of looking at some of what you've done in Newcastle, and I saw Michael Owen, Chris Sutton, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Dwight Wark, Kevin Phillips, Terry Henry. How can you ever put your pants on with all of them in your pocket? <laughs> and you've got Ryan Giggs as well, so you've yeah, got Ryan, another one. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, to, to play against them players in the time of the Premier League and uh, obviously playing against Alan as well, Alan Shearer and Les Ferdinand, uh, who was teammates of mine. Yeah, it was exciting times, great times, and I loved every minute of it. And it's not one day go by that you don't reminisce and, and think about it. And, you know, obviously my life now is in America, and I, I love, you know, where I am. And um, But I look back at it with fond memories, because it was a great time for obviously being at Newcastle, but the Premier League, uh, and all the games as well. I think when we sit back and we talk to each other, and when we bump into each other on a golf course with friends, and... 
you know, the, as you said, the likes of Omri and them type of players that was involved in George Ware and, you know, the, you know, great games uh, that we had against them type of players. It was, it was a joy uh, and it's something that you aspire to as a young player. You want to play against the best and, um, you know, from someone who was told twice, you're too small, you're not going to be uh, good enough to play, uh, to go play against them players and, you know, do what I did. It was, uh, it was fantastic. And as I said, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, and congratulations, by the way. I know you're a recent American citizen. That's got to be exciting. Yeah, very much, yeah. You know, the, the family as well. We had the, the visa and then we went to the green card. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was great, you know, and uh, I'm very proud to be part of the U.S. now. I, I love the country. I love the, the feeling of the, uh, the people and how positive, and it's been great to me. I mean, I love England, and, you know, I, I love my time there, uh, but it was right for me and myself and my family to move move overseas, and, as I said, I love it. It's a great place where I live, and I love the people and uh, thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad to hear. Um, well, question I have, when you hear the words Newcastle United, what do you think of? Pride, uh, fun, uh, excitement. Um, and as I said, it makes my stomach go over where um, the enjoyment that we had and we did to the fans and you know, um, but a lot of pride. Uh, I'm proud of playing for Newcastle. I was proud to be a captain. Proud of what I achieved with Newcastle. We, we would love to have won the Premier League when we had that chance in, in 96, 95, 96. Um, but a lot of pride and a lot of um, fond memories of, of good people, really good people. You know, that, um, I think fondly of the people, not only the, the teammates that I had and, you know, obviously the people in the office and the security guards and the guys that are the training ground, the kit man, the physio. But to the people as well, you know, walking around the streets and bumping into people uh, uh, along the big market or if you're down by the quayside and just, just great memories. Um, and a smile comes to my face because, as I said, I, I loved every minute. I'm born and bred in London and London's my place, but I, I loved it up there. Uh, great people uh, from the start. Um, and, and as I said, I, I love my, you know, nearly eight years I had up there as a, as a family with my kids and that. So, yeah, fond memories. But, yeah, very proud of what, uh, of the area, the people, uh, and obviously the football club. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the football club, uh, one of the most famous matches in kind of the history of the club as a whole is definitely the Champions League match against Barcelona. We all know, 3-2 win. Um, so you started for Newcastle in that match. So what was it like walking out on the pitch in arguably the greatest stadium in the world, you know, playing against one of the biggest clubs in the world? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and it's just, I've said this before, it's a shame that we, we have to bring it up that that's been our best game. And that was 21 years ago, you know, and that just shows you yeah. what's, what's happened in recent times, you know. And uh, I'd love to be talking about us being in the Champions League, us being Newcastle, you know, this year, last year, the year before. But, you know, and that's what it was. But it was a, I just remember coming into the stadium in the night time, um, coming down inside, I think me and John Beresford was coming in and, and probably Rob Lee with the, the three of us and just noticing the stadium with all the Champions League stars all around it, you know, and they, they've changed, they took down the, the Newcastle Brownell signs and put down the, the Champions League signs and that, that's really when it hit me that, you know, this was a special night um, and then obviously walking out and seeing, you know, Figo uh, getting warmed up and Luis Enrique and, you know, these type of players. But I looked around at our team and thought, you know, we've got some good players as well. And we fancy our chances and, you know, Kenny wanted us to be positive And we knew with Keith, we had a, a weapon with pace, Keith Gillespie with the pace down the, the yeah. right-hand side. And, you know, he was on fire that game. Um, 
and obviously Tino took over the show. And it was it was that type of game for Tino. You know, he was fantastic as a as a person. He was fantastic as a player. But at home against someone like Barcelona, he's a bit special. His best games have always come against the big teams, whether it's been Chelsea at home or Arsenal, Man United. The, the, normally, he's played against the top teams and he raised his level and. Um, just the atmosphere but that's when it really hit me walking into the stadium and seeing the Champions League signs everywhere um, and then getting ready to go and then once we played we you know we was on fire for a good an hour hour and ten minutes and uh, and then it got a bit nervy towards the end but we've we've done enough and probably deserved enough to win the game uh, and it's all you know the great memories of Tino getting a hat trick and he deserved it because he was he, he was awesome that game and but he, he wanted it he, you could just tell it's that type of game for him don't, don't play him on a Tuesday night at Stoke Play him against Barcelona because he was he's phenomenal. <laughs> That's great. Um, so we just talked about Barcelona, obviously. So it would be cool if you pick something else, but obviously you're entitled to like your own opinion. So what was your most memorable match uh, playing for Newcastle? My first game, the playing at home with uh, with Coventry. I know it doesn't sound too glamorous, but. Me and Les making our debut and Shaka and David Ginola, um, we'd gone down there um, and signed in that summer and we'd won 3 0 at home. And the whole, at, the whole stadium was in black and white shirts. Oh, yeah, I'm not exaggerating. It was, it was all black and white shirts. And it, me and Les through the game said, Can you, can you see each other? Because all I can see is black and white shirts bloody everywhere. <laughs> and and the, just the atmosphere and the euphoria of signing and being there. Um, and I always remember, I played for Wimbledon uh, in the February before I signed. And uh, me and Robbie L, who actually does uh, NBC now for the Premier League, we were doing a call down afterwards. And we were just chatting. We, I mean, we was like brothers, me and Robbie. Um, very, very close. Shared um, a room together for five years. Very, you know, very close players and you know, good friends as well. And I just said to him, imagine playing at this place. You know, we're calling down. There's no one in the stadium. It's, the lights are still on. I think Arthur Cox was walking around going to his car. And I said, <laughs> imagine playing at this lot. Imagine playing in this stadium. And then lo and behold, six months later. So that sticks in my mind as well. But the first game, you know, it's like your first love. You don't really forget it. And that, that, that was a special game. Uh, and also the 5-0 against Nottingham Forest. Um, we won 5-0. That got us in the Champions League. And it sent Sunderland and Middlesbrough down. So that was always quite nice <laughs> as, as, as a feeling. And then beating United 5-0. That, that was another one with Philip Albert's chip. Um, but I was lucky. There was a lot of good memories. You know, lo- lots of good games in, that we played in. And, you know, fortunate enough, we won, won quite a few of them. So that, that was good. But th- them type of games, you know, as I said, the 5-0, the... United game but um, I was lucky enough to play 220 times for them and every time I loved it you know and um, it, it was a it was a dream come true to play for a club like that and fans like that so um, yeah we, we had a good time but that was that, that would be my first one my first game because you'd been waiting for it all pre-season and I'd had a bit of a toe injury as well and just to go out there and perform and win 3-0 with all the excitement it, I mean the city was buzzing uh, I had 20 people that had come up, all my family from London to, to be with us. And the, the place was rocking afterwards. We, we, we'd never seen anything like it. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And, and it was a different team back then under Keegan. I mean, the entertainers was the name. Now, give us a little insight because Keegan's been in the news recently, as you may know, um, yep. with his book. But I, I kind of want to know, like, you're, if you're losing at halftime in a Keegan locker room, what, what goes on in that atmosphere? 
Well, I tell you what happened before a game that he'd get, we'd get the lineup and we'd be sitting there and you look across and you've got obviously Shearer sitting there, you've got Ginola on the other side near the mirror, you've got obviously you know Philip Albert and Rob Lee, Batty, etc. So you, you're looking around and you've got some players around you that that know what they're doing and Keegan would come out sometimes and just look at the other team sheet, fold it up, put it in his pocket and just say go and play. There was not <laughs> too much tactics or preparation. It was like. Just go and play. You know what to do, boys. Just play, play how you play. And uh, I remember one time though, we was getting beat at home against, I think it was Arsenal. As it happens, and, and we we wasn't playing particularly well. We was getting a bit frustrated. And uh, David Ginola, who was phenomenal, is one of the best players I've ever played with. Um, was having a, an indifferent game, so I say he wasn't delivering as he should do. And Keegan's gone to walk in, and myself and Rob Lee just said to Kevin, "Just go in your little room and give us five minutes," because I knew Alan Shearer wanted to get one or two things off his chest and uh, he went for Ginola, not in a physical way, but just said, look, you know, cross the bloody ball, put it in the area. I used to watch you last season, just deliver. So they went toe to toe for about 45 seconds and then we've come in and broke it up a little bit. Keegan <laughs> pops his little head out the door and said, just looked at us and we put our thumbs up. He come in and we ended up beating them 2-1. So, you know, that, that was another chance for us to go out there and Keegan sometimes would know to come in and encourage you. Uh, but I've also had a hairdryer for him at, uh, at Highbury as well, so <laughs> he, he, he can let you know. He can let you know what's going on. But um, he was a very positive manager. He wanted you to enjoy it. He wanted you to express yourself, uh, and, and that group of players uh, loved him. And that's why he's still loved by a lot of people up there now. You know, yeah. considering as well, he left the club twice. You know, most most fans would not endear that to him, but he left and went for different reasons. But uh, they, they love him because he, he knows he wants the best for the club. Yeah, King Kev is. Uh, I heard Alan Shearer is quite the prankster. Is that true? Yeah, Alan. Yeah, he <laughs> he comes across as being very boring, but him and Batty and Rob, all of us really, we'd all do different things. John Beresford <laughs> was one as well, uh, but Alan was definitely, you know, doing uh, up to no good. And uh, <laughs> but you'd always make sure you got him back. So um, it, it, it was it was fun. As I said, you had to keep on your toes. And whether it was, you know, I'd come from a changing room with Wimbledon where. You know, they would burn clothes and slash your tyres. and So I was quite prepared for what was to come along. But Alan was very much a prankster and it fitted in very well with the, 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 the type of players that we had, the likes of Gary Speed, obviously, when he was there. Um, you know, we had, uh, we, we had good times. It was, it was fun coming into work. I bet. I mean, it's, it does beat getting your tyre slashed or <laughs> your clothes burned. Well, some of the clothes at Wimbledon was worth getting burned because they wasn't very good. So that was probably uh, not, not a problem. But yeah, it was, as I said, there was pranks everywhere and, and jokes going on. So it kept you on your toes. And um, it, it just, as I said, it was a joy coming into work. We used to be in there at, some of us, about eight o'clock in the morning because you couldn't wait to be with everybody. And, and, you know, that's the time with Sir Bobby Robson when he was there and, the atmosphere of the, the ground was brilliant and the likes of Bellamy and Dyer and, and all them, uh, Laurent Robert and all them players was there. It was, it, it was a different time, but uh, we had great times. Yeah. All right. So at the time, you were the most expensive signing for a defender ever. And uh, so if you were sold today, you know, same, I mean, not like at your current physical state, obviously, like if you were, you know, take that, that amount of money put in today. Well, I'm not in a bad shape. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm in California. I'm not too bad. I've seen, I've seen some of them. They've let their sales go. It must be this Californian sun that's keeping me going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten yeah. years younger every time you go to the West Coast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's the sun. Yeah. 
how much do you think you'd uh you you'd, you'd cost in today's time with you know the well, how much was Carl Walker? Fifty million, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. And I, and I and I could cross a ball, so put another five on. So there we go. <laughs> I was thinking right. sixty, sixty-five. Just yeah, that yeah. That, yeah. We're, we're, I'll be happy for for the hair alone. You got to go. Oh yeah, for the hair alone, I was worth a hundred million at least. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. The best in yeah, the prem yeah. for sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> best in the prem. That was it. Yeah. So I'm so the only player. I'm probably the only player to have a song. After his hair, <laughs> yeah, not about yeah. his ability, or not about scoring goals, or not about heading the ball, or how high you can jump, but actually about a, a, a hair that I had, a mop of hair. So yeah, yeah, it, it must be quite unique. In the hair hall of fame for Newcastle United, it's you and then Colacini. I can't think yeah. of anybody yeah. else that deserves it. Yeah, yeah, that. No, no, yeah. <laughs> My one had a bit more style to it. Colacini yeah. looked like it been put, looked like it been put on backwards. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fine. Yeah, his was more. It was, he didn't have to touch it at all. It was all natural. No. No, it was all, it was all naturally curly. Yours was the hard my, work. My, yeah, my one. But I had Ginola next to me, so it was a bit of hard work getting next to the mirror because I couldn't get near there. <laughs> well, go, going back to today's time, obviously, we, we see how Newcastle is day-to-day right now. Uh, just give us just a brief overview this season. What, what's your thoughts on Newcastle, state of the club? Uh, it's just disappointing, you know, obviously and frustrating and a bit of anger that comes into it. And it's become a bit of a, a, a laughing stock, you know, when you hear uh, some pundits, you know, belittle the city and belittle the people. That that angers me uh, because they've probably never been up there and spent time up there. So that's that's been ignorant and and, uh, and quite arrogant, really, when you haven't even been up there. So yeah. it's a wonderful city and the people, uh, the fans deserve more. Um, and, you know, with Mike Ashley, uh, he's been there long enough. It's not really worked out. He's obviously trying to get some money and, and move out of there. And unfortunately, he's got one of the best coaches at the moment that is going to stick by the team, but you don't know whether he's going to be there next year because given some resources, he's proven that he's done very well and won him a trophy. So, you know, if you could give him some money and he worked with miracles last season with, you know, average players, you know, the, you know I'm not being disrespectful to the boys that are there. They're... They're obviously trying hard. They're working hard. They're listening to Rafa, but they're, you know, they're, they're nowhere near the type of players that we've been talking about, and um, and maybe not the type of characters either, because it takes a special player to play up there uh, in in a big lights and big time, because it, you know, it is a big club, regardless of what people say. The expectations are high, um, and they're very demanding, um, and you've got to stand up for that, and you either thrive in that atmosphere or you. You shrink, uh, and at the moment, there's a bad vibe around the stadium with the ownership and the, the people around on the board. Um, and obviously, Kevin said his piece about who he could assign and would assign, and maybe could have, uh, you know, maybe took the club onto another level. And it's just very frustrating because you know the club is desperate to do well, and the fans deserve it. Um, you don't want to end up being a Nottingham Forest that drifts out of the league or a Leeds where. You just become another team that a yo-yo go down and, and maybe never come up again, or you might come up like West Brom and bounce backwards and forwards. So uh, it deserves more. It should deserve more. He, he, you know, he being Ashley should would, should just go and and sell up because it can't be enjoyable for him to be there. You know, he's had this situation. You know, did he have his two fingers up at the fans and that type of thing? I, I wouldn't want to be around if I've got that much money and I own a business that, you know don't want me to be there, I would sell up. Life's too short. I would sell up and give it to someone that really wants the, the, the best for the club and try and take the club forward. Because he hasn't proved that. You know, He's he stuck buyers when they've gone down. And, but that's more fi- for financial reasons. It's not for anything else. It's not because, oh, I love the club or want to be there. It's because 
I've got to get us back up because that's where I'm, I'm going to get more money. Um, and that's basically the bottom line. So, it, you know, he's been there a long time and it hasn't worked. If it was a coach, they would have got sacked by now. So, you know, for his point of view is, you know, get what you can, what what the, the better deal you can do. Don't be greedy and move on. Because as I said, I, I wouldn't want to be working in that environment every day and people abusing me because they're not happy with what you've done over the last 10 years. And, and rightly so. Yeah, and I, I kind of think it's at the point with the second relegation that it's irreversible. There's this, it's a lose-lose no matter what he does from this point forward, unless he you know breaks the transfer record and, and you see consistent improvement. But until then, I mean, there's no situation that I can see the fans changing their opinion on him either. No, no, and because of the things he does, you know, whether he's at the time before he was trying to be one of the one of the boys and drink with everybody and be their friend, you know, that backfired, and then some of the comments that he's come out and then trying to change the, 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 the name of the stadium. And I was working with Fox Soccer at the time and I always called it, you know, I used to get told off by my bosses, but to me, it's St. James's Park. Don't change it. So, you know, my bosses say, oh no, you've got to call it by that name. To me, it was St. James's Park. Why upset so many people by doing that? It's just been a, a number of different issues that have, uh, have deteriorated his relationship with the fans um, and just with the media as well, because it's just not a, a nice environment to be in. And I go back to it. You know, we've got a, a very, very good coach that has done, you know, remarkably well with a limited budget. Um, but you know, he's not David Copperfield. He's not in Vegas at the moment. He's not not going to get the best out of this lot because they're not just they're not just good enough. You know, the saving grace may be that teams like Huddersfield uh, are even worse. So you know, that that may be that the other teams that are worse than us. But we we need to start getting results as soon as possible and I understand at the beginning when you played four of the top teams the likes of you know Man City, Chelsea and and Spurs I understand that you know in the big game was the the Cardiff one that we didn't get the win um but since then the, the performances have deteriorated and and that's that's the biggest concern yeah and, and just quick question kind of off that I mean there's been a couple kind of news big news stories concerning Mike Ashley this week and one being his his dinner party, I guess you want to call it pizza outing um, with the team and with Rafa. And it was, it was reported that he was thinking they, he declared that one, he was going to be more involved as an owner and two, uh, that he was not going to sell the club this season. I just quickly, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think him being more involved as an owner is a good thing considering the damage he's done? Yeah, I th- yeah, you're right. I think it, you know, that he's done a lot of damage by being away and not facing up and seeing an empty seat when the, the fans are upset. So, you know, show, show that you do care. Show that you are going to be there. Because one thing with the fans, you know, and I, I went through a time where I wasn't playing well and, you know, my performances are bad and the food, the fans are booing, but I never hid. And I think they respect me for that. Well, I know they do. I, I know for a fact of them that they do. So if you are having a bad time, don't go and hide. Don't jump on the train and go down to London or go off to you know, Marbella in Spain and hide on a golf course, face the music. And if you are going to do that, give Rafa some leeway uh, and give him some money and and be proactive with that, you know. And, and fans will may not like you at the end of the day, but they will respect you for doing that. But what they don't respect is that when times are hard and people know it up there, the times are hard, don't go and hide. Don't don't go and hide and sit on your, your big yacht and don't be there for the for the fans, you know, and leave an empty seat and leave other people to pick up the pieces. That's how I've been brought up. So that's what I would have done. And, um, you know, whether it is too late, as I said, they may not like him, they may not sing his name, 
but they might respect him enough um, that he's actually come to his senses and said, I'm going to see this season out. I'm not going to sell. I'm going to keep you in. I'm going to give you some money and work closer with you, Rafa, because Rafa feels like he's on an island all the time because he gets asked every time in the media, well, what about Ashley and what's happening with Mike Ashley? I don't know. I don't see him. So he's left on an island. So he can't really say too much. So, um, but if he can work and if he can get it together and, and have a, 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 you know, it's like being in a, being in a relationship and doing it for the kids. Let's just get by this time and make sure the kids <laughs> are grown up and, and then we can move on and go our separate ways. And that may have to be the solution um, for the foreseeable future until someone does come in and, and, and offer the money that, that he wants or near to what he, what he can get and what it's worth. Because it's, yeah. it's a fantastic club. It's a great yeah. club. People, you know, you know that. And the fans know that. And for anyone that's ever gone up there, you know, I, I get to speak to a lot of people at Sky when it first started. Uh, and we used to go up there. And they loved it. It's a, it's a great place. It's a great place to play football. And that's why I never wanted to leave, you know, at the end of it. And not, I don't know any player that I know of that actually wanted to leave. Mm. Yeah. So, so you, you kind of touched on the players earlier um, that are currently at the club. And so we're... We're American, as you can definitely tell via the yeah. facts. Um, and we're American-based site, American-based podcast. And so uh, we have very much – very, a very, very high interest in DeAndre Yedlin, and he also happens to be a fullback. So what are your thoughts on your style of play and, and kind of his progression with Newcastle? No, I, I like it. I think he's um, obviously been against the enemy when he was with Sunderland. He learned how to defend because that's all they had to do is defend. They couldn't do anything else. So he's obviously learned his trade. And when he was at Seattle, I, I always liked him there. And he was a bit naive uh, with his defending. And I'd love to, you know, chat to him and, and speak to him about the game. I mean, he obviously he's grown up now and getting older and getting more experience. And uh, I think he can work on his delivery, uh, his final product, because I still think he's, his mind is still going as quick as his legs when he gets into the final third, but he's, um, he's very, very well-liked in the club. People like him. He's a, a polite boy. Um, he, you know, he knows he's privileged to play for a club like Newcastle. And, you know, whenever I've seen him, he, he's give his all. And he's tried to, you know, um, be positive. They want you to entertain if they can, but they want you to be aggressive going forward. They want you to try and, you know, score goals. Uh, and I think his style of play suits the fans. Um, but there's obviously, like everybody, his area needs to work on a little bit, but I like him. I said that before he got the move. I said he, he would have done with us probably about a year ago. Um, but yeah, I like him. You know, um, Stephen Carr was another player that came after me um, that was very similar to that. You know, but Stephen was a bit more composed on the ball um, yeah. and was a bit better with his delivery. But you know, young they will do that. You know, he's a young boy, as I said, uh, and he will learn and learn and learn and, and it progress. And obviously, someone like. Rafa Benitez will encourage him to, to do that. So, uh, yeah, I like him. I said, uh, from all accounts, when I've spoken to people up in Seattle, uh, speaking to people in the national team that have worked with him and played with him, um, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Um, and I, I wish him well. And as I said, he's at a, a great club and he knows that. And uh, he's just got to keep working hard and improving. Uh, and hopefully that'll get better results for the club. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I mean, being American, we, we've talked to this when we kind of interview other Americans about why they they started to root for Newcastle. I think all of us who've been watching Newcastle for a while, we've seen his development because we've been watching DeAndre since like 2014. And so it's been miraculous to kind of see how he's improved as not only a defender, but just as a, a leader under Rafa and especially working with a very young American team, uh, U.S. men's national team. 
Um, so sticking with defenders, how do you feel about uh, Jamal LaSalle's and his chances of making the England squad? Yeah, good. I mean, unfortunately, he had the, the injury, didn't he, at the start of the season? And But he's been immense. Um, I think when you look at Maguire that's been given the chance and, and, and other players, he's, he's an honest defender. Um, as I said, again, maybe a little bit more composure on the ball, but, you know, I think he's a great leader. Um, I think he's took the man to a being captain at that club very well. Um, and I like him. I, I, as I said, he, he reminds me a little bit of, uh, you're talking about Americans, like Jonathan Brooks, that type of composure, um, you know, strength on the ball, could maybe score more pe- uh, goals from set pieces. But yeah, I, I like him. Uh, and I think all accounts, what I've liked about his his personality, he wants to come out and face the music in the media, uh, which is a big part of being at that club and, and being a captain. So yeah, I, I think he's done very, very well. And um you know, you just need to have that consistently that, you know, Gareth will keep looking and, uh, you know, and hopefully he does get that opportunity because it's obviously the biggest thing is to play for your country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And since you're playing days, so you've moved over to the United States. We've established that. You've got into to football here a little bit. You, with the LA Galaxy U18s, you became a technical director with the LA Blues um, that that was fun. That was an experience, to say yeah. the least. The, ga- the Galaxy was good, but uh, working USL with the the ownership group of uh, LA Blues was uh, was strange to say the least. But yeah, I, I've been involved. It was it was uh, very much part. You know, I've got my you know coaching qualifications, my B license, A license, and, and pro license. So um, US soccer is a big part of me. You know, I, I do a lot with the clubs, seeing with my kids in San Diego. I was a, Lucky enough when I first come over to work with LA Galaxy, but just with my commitment with Fox and the travelling, it, it wasn't it wasn't fair to the the Galaxy that you know I, I was you know doing what I was doing, so it just wasn't the right time. But obviously, big interest in USL. Um, I worked with Shannon McMillan, who's a joy to work with down in Del Mar. Uh, obviously, you know won the Olympic and gold medal and women's World Cup. She's a great to work with. So yeah, US soccer's a big part of me, and MLS obviously my big friend. Brad Friedel, you know, over in New England. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, keeping keeping in contact, keep an eye on it and just watch the game grow. Um, but, yeah, you never know. I might be involved in it one day. But um, <laughs> I enjoy Fox. I enjoy what I'm doing there. Uh, I love being, obviously, with my kids and, and coaching my youngest son. My oldest son's gone off to – he was at Seattle and then he went to Portland and he's just got a bit of an injury at the moment. My middle son's gone off to Syracuse, to the business school over there. Um, so I still want to keep coaching my younger one. Um, but yeah, obviously big, big part of it is I love coaching and I love being around the game. So, um, you know, TV's great. I enjoy it, but I don't think there's nothing better than actually coaching, uh, if you're not playing. Yeah. yeah well, Elijah actually is an alumnus of Syracuse. So that's yeah. oh. just graduated. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we're going there the end of the month. So we're looking forward to it and it's, it's sunny at the moment. So yeah, come about <laughs> no, yeah. November, December is when it start getting snow, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's lucky enough to get in the business school over there. So he, he's doing well. He's doing a bit of soccer as well. So uh, he's having fun. And, and he's the one that wanted to have that college experience, whatever that means. He just said he wanted to have co- college experience. So <laughs> I leave that to someone else's imagination. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So since you've come over, you've kind of gotten the bird's eye view of of the sport, of the game. And, and with your experience as a coach and getting the licenses, a lot have been criticized of kind of Rafa's game recently, at least this season, when you see us kind of play 10 at the back, it seems, 11 at the back even, uh, against Man City, Chelsea, and then kind of shortening the match and, and having those short spurts to kind of get something out of it. What do you think 
I mean, some of you even said, like, I guess Newcastle fans would prefer we lose 5-4 than play this way. What, what's your thoughts on it? I'd just be curious to, to hear your point of view. Uh, I think with Rafa Benitez, whenever he, when he was at Valencia and whenever he's played, he's always played more conservative. He's always like two holding midfield players. You know, he was the first one really to have not just like one Makaleli, but two of them. Uh, and that was that was always been in his DNA. So, you know, he, he's not going to go away from that. I don't think he's ever been the most um, flamboyant coach going forward. Yes, he wants to, but it, it was about results and about, you know, obviously understanding the game. And, and, and even when he was at Liverpool, you know, he always had that fine balance of not losing games and, and obviously trying to win the games if you can. So I think that's Rafa. I don't think it's it's anything against him as a coach. And he'll go back to that and maybe looked at these players that he's got at um, Newcastle and thought, look, we can't go forward. We can't go toe-to-toe with Chelsea, Man City and, and, and Spurs. So we have to play like this. That's what I think he's thinking about. And that's because of what he's had in the past. Now, if you ask me... I've always been brought up with, particularly at home, no matter who we play, we're at home. We're at St. James's Park. We, we go on the front foot and we play um, our game and let they, the opposition be the most uncomfortable they can in the first 15, 20 minutes. Going back to my time with Kevin Keegan, even when he got the team sheets of big clubs, I'm talking you know, Chelsea or Arsenal, he wouldn't really worry too much. He'd just say, go out there and play, you, you know, and... If we play at our level and don't allow them to play, we'll win games. And that's been ingrained in me. So even at Wimbledon, when we was you know, a lesser club, not very you know, um, fashionable, we never worried about anybody else. We, we might respect them, but we wouldn't fear anybody. And we'd go up to Old Trafford with Vinnie Jones and, and Fashion <laughs> you, and, and we'd go and do, we don't care. We'd go to anywhere and try and get results. So that's in, my, in me as a person. So... If I was in charge of Nuke, I want them to be more aggressive. I want them to be more flamboyant. I want them to try and win more games rather than lose games. You know, and uh, we might end up losing and I might end up getting a sack. But I'd rather go down doing it positive than being negative and boring. I mean, we've only, you've only got to look at what Mourinho's doing. He's, he's draining the blood out of Manchester United by the way that they're playing and draining the at the Premier League because it's supposed to be the most entertaining league in the world. Uh, but when you see... Uh, performances that you're seeing it, it's it, you know it's demoralizing as a fan and as a player I want to go and play I want to I want to have fun I want to express myself uh, and go forward so as I said I understand from Rafa's point of view but if it's me I, I want that 52,000 fans on the edge of their seats I, I want them involved to get us over the line and to help us win and you know see games through when we're dead on our feet that would help us win a game against team which they've done before so you know that's because it's been ingrained in me and that's how I would that that's how I approach my games when I play yeah yeah now make them quit right don't yeah. don't, don't yeah, yeah. up on your yeah, own yeah. make them quit um, no no they always someone said to me no matter how tired you are imagine how they feel so yeah that, <laughs> that's, that's right that's always yeah it's always been my my motto yeah, so a lot, a lot of craziness going on with the club. We, we kind of touched on Mike Ashley. I was going to ask if you thought he was the right guy. We, we kind of did this. So I'll, I'll change the question a little bit here. So say Mike doesn't invest in January. Is Rafa gone? I think so, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's a lot of stress that he don't need. I yeah. think, he, you know, although he knows it's a wonderful club, he knows he's got the fans behind him. But what else can you do? What, what, it's like you, you're not giving any leeway or any chance to to bring in you know we've got some free transfers he's brought some players in 
um, you know, again, as refers should take a little bit as well because they're not, they're not, you know, they're not players that excite me. Um, so I, I, that's one thing I did say with Rafa. I thought he may be able to find maybe two or three more gems than he has done. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? I, yeah, I thought yeah. with his experience in Italy and Spain and, you know, because of his contacts, he might have been able to get some players that you think, well, I didn't know they was around. And, you know, going back to maybe Wenger when I was there, when, you know, Patrick Vieira popped up, it was like, well, I, I sort of know him, but I didn't know him. That. Now I know him, or <laughs> Manuel Petit, and now so on and so on. You, you know, you go and buy these players, you think, well, hold on a minute, you've got Anelka for half a million from PSG and made him into a, you know, a, a 50 million dollar player. So I, I was expecting with Rafa just to find me some, some talented players, you know, whether they're in Croatia or whether they're in the Bundesliga or something like that, you know, go, go and go and get me some good players because they are out there. You know, I do the Bundesliga with, with Fox and, you know, we, we look at players weekend and I think, yeah, you know, he's a good player. I wouldn't mind signing him. And if you went, you might be able to get him for five or six million dollars. And, you know, because it's easy to go and buy someone for a hundred million. It's easy to go yeah. and get Gareth Bale. Yeah, everyone can do that. But I just thought Rafa might be able to get me some players like that, that, fit in and think, you know, they're hungry, they want to impress, they're going to play for Rafa, um, you know, might have cost us eight or nine million dollars, but, you know, get four of them in and you might have a chance. You know, R Richie, the kid Richie, he plays well, you know, he's a, yeah. a player, but, you know, well, you need more. <laughs> yeah, you, you need more of them. You need more of them around. Yeah, and I, I want to see Muto get a shot too. Uh, I, I think yes, Kevin yes. has 10, 20 minutes. I think it's time he gets in, he starts. Let's see what he can do, what he can create. He's so smart off the ball. I think it'd just be I – think, I think it's time to see. We spent nine mil on him. Let's, let's see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, what, what are we waiting for? Yeah. What are you waiting for? You know, there's, you've, had your, you've had your excuse in the first five or six games. Now it's about beating Leicester at home. It's about winning games. And unfortunately, they've not been able to do that. Um, yeah. And, you know – New, the United game is not going to be easy, but you never know. But you, you're right. You know, you spent money on him. Go and play him. Yeah. yeah. So we have – this is always one of a favorite for me to explain because it's so bizarre, but that's some of the things. So we have an official questionnaire of the podcast. He's a fan. He always has out-of-the-box questions that he answers. All of them are, are pretty funny. So he has one for you. So this is okay. uh, Trevor, Trevor Mooney. He's the official questionnaire of CHN Radio, and his question for Warren is, it's alternate reality time. So he said, you're a multi-billionaire owner of a big club and need to instill confidence in the side and reassurance in your, in your squad. Which American fast food chain are you taking them to in, to in order to achieve this lofty goal? In and out. In and out. Wow. In and out. Simple but beautiful. That's what <laughs> I want my team to be. Simple yeah. but beautiful. Well, yeah, every time, you... yeah, I'm going to go there. Simple <laughs> but so effective. Do you Doesn't have... confuse me. It's four choices. <laughs> Done. I love that. Do you, do you have an order? Can you tell us the order for you? Uh, I have Double Double and the, um, the animal fries with the uh, oh, man. cheese and, yeah, and, and the strawberry shake. That's Ooh. when I go to San Diego. That's when I'm. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that straight order. That, I'm gonna report back. <laughs> that that awesome. was an easy one. Tell tell Trevor that that was an easy one. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll have to do an, a harder one next time when we we'll bring you back on yeah. when we win the league. So <laughs> uh, hopefully I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. All of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to me, I personally would have gone with Chick Fil A. Uh, it's the best fast food yeah. restaurant out there. We're totally my kids, biased. My kids love that, but I just I find that repeats on you, so I'm not having that. No, <laughs> I think it repeats on me. That's fair. Um, so yeah. going forward with uh, the rest of the season, um, 
What do you think is more likely, uh, Newcastle surviving or Newcastle getting sold? Newcastle surviving because he's already said he's not selling. So yeah. I'm going to go with that. Just surviving. Conspiracy theory. Maybe he's just saying that to attract a random buyer because he said, I'm not selling because all the offers are too low. Maybe someone mm-hmm. comes in and like, oh, it's, maybe they're not offering close to 300 mil and they offer like 305. Mike Ashley sells the club and we keep Rafa. That would be nice. That would be a lovely New Year's present. But we were talking about that last New Year. But um, no, yeah. I, I think he's, he's going to try this angle of being there, supporting Rafa, seeing us through, seeing if he can sell a happy ship. It's better to sell a happy ship than it is a sinking ship. Yeah, so I, I think that's what, he, that, that's what his angle he might be going with. Yeah. Um, so, and kind of not really following up on that, but following up on that. Uh, do you think Newcastle can reach that level of European football that, that you saw when you were at the club? They can. The potential's there to do that because you've got a wonderful training ground. Uh, you've got a stadium that's, you know, uh, is 52,000 people coming through the door every week. It has, you know, global fan base all over the world. You've said about in the States, and I, I know that on social media there's there's, you know, Newcastle fans all over the place uh, in the US. So, and that's just here or in, in Asia as well. So, yeah, it's got the potential. Uh, it just needs some guidance. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough with Sir John Hall, who was there under my time, and then obviously Sir Bobby Robson, who who guided it through um, from difficult periods and got them back into the Champions League. So it is able. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, that Chelsea was, you know, playing in a stadium that was half empty and, you know, no one wanted to go there, and the same with Man City. So it's, it's amazing what money can do uh, and transfer um, funds are available. So it's there. It's there. The fan base is there. The potential's there. They've proved in the past they can compete in the Champions League. They, they've shown that with uh, with Sir Bobby Robson and, and obviously in the time that I was there. So, yeah, it can be done. So fingers crossed because it deserves it. As I said, the, the fans deserve it, and I, I would love to see that come come back again. Yeah, and then... This is, a, this is probably the most important question of the whole interview, in my opinion. Um, so, it's a serious question. Do you want to buy the club? Because we're taking applications. <laughs> if, if you've got the capital, just, just send it. Just go ahead. How much did you want? $300. I've got $300. <laughs> Tell him I'll take it. Sold a scene. Sold a scene. Yeah. Uh, we've had lots of people trying to get a consortium to, to, to buy. I, I would love to be involved. Um, but it's hard for me to leave San Diego. But my my heart's there, so they know that, and I'm always watching the games. But we can if I if I had the money, I would do. We can I negotiate a remote job, maybe. Yeah, remote. Just <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could get in and out to sponsor it. They got enough money. Yeah, get them oh, behind us. That could be our that could be our sponsor. Get Chick Fil A as a unit. As a, they can do the uh, the reserve team. Yeah, fast okay. food consortium, and just don't rename the stadium. That's the only rule. Exactly, just leave it. It's got a perfect name, St. James's, yeah. <laughs> and the and the, the uniform's great as well, black and white. Don't change that either. Oh yeah, just leave it. Maybe In and Out and Chick Fil A could change their colors to. Exactly. To yeah. Now, now we're talking. Now we're yeah, talking. Yeah. Now we're ready. Uh, so, uh, Magpie Group also met last Wednesday during the night of the dinner. The Magpie. Are you familiar with the Magpie Group and what they've been doing? I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So they they're kind of discussing what is the best way if things don't change at Newcastle what is the best way to protest what's the best way to to make our voices as fans heard uh, will anything help is is there is there something that we could do as a fan base to 
to force change. And you're kind of seeing it now with, with things that Mike Ashley has said that he's really never said before showing up more and doing that. But is there something that could make a difference? I would make that stadium as loud as possible. That, that's what I know because people are talking about boycotting and not going there and protest afterwards. I would sing Newcastle all the way through the games and make it every single game. That atmosphere is second to none. And that would really hit home to everybody. I think every fan, in, I mean, thinking about it now, the hairs on my arms are standing up. I'm Me too, <laughs> just at the same time. Just, just, just from the first whistle to the last minute, just sing about Newcastle, the club, and get behind the city. Don't worry about the ownership. That would appeal to me. If I'm an owner watching that in New York or in D.C. or in San Diego, and all I can hear is a stadium singing about that, I would want a piece of that. I, I would want to be like that. And at the end of it, just do it for the season, and then you know, hopefully then something will come along because I'm a believer in karma. If you do that, then something good will happen because if the negative stuff is not going to help. You know, that's it doesn't help the players, it doesn't help Rafa, but just to if you like, like he did, stick two fingers up to Ashley and say, "We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going anywhere, and you're gonna you're gonna do something that's good for this club." Yeah, I, I love it, and it kind of reminds me of when we sung Rafa's name for ninety minutes on the yeah. season we got relegated, and he stayed. You know, do the same thing. That's that's yeah. what we're saying here. <laughs> yeah, do the same. And, thing. and that's what that, that's why that club's special because of the fans. It's not yeah. because of a certain thing or a, a trophy that they won. The, the fans have made that club. And so that's what's the, the most important thing is the fans. Yeah, no, for sure. So just final thoughts here. I just have two final questions for you. Um, one is, what's your prediction for this season? What do you see for Newcastle the rest of the way through? I would love to. I mean, number 14 comes in my mind. Think about Ginola. If we ended up 14th, I'll be, I'll be ecstatic. Um, okay. to, to, I'll take that now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any of us will sign on for it immediately. <laughs> you, wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have to hear anymore. Just like, where do I sign? And, and we we like to ask this with every one of our guests. Uh, this is kind of brings you back down the memory lane. But if you could go to any Newcastle match in history to watch live, you you'll be there. You won't be on the pitch, but you'll be watching from the stands. What match would you go to, and why? Uh, I think I I, was, I wasn't working at this game, but I remember Kevin Nolan getting a hat trick against Sunderland, the five. Five oh, yeah. or five one, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Just to be, in, just to be a fan, actually, just to be in the in the stadium watching that one because it's different when you're playing and you you get wrapped up in the game. And I remember going to the stadium and like and Roker Park and beating them. So, but just that that one would have been nice just to sit back and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, that that one jumps out at me. Oh yeah, that I mean I could watch that any any time. That's a great pick. Yeah. We still haven't had anyone pick the same match, which is even better. That just shows oh, yeah. the, the great yeah, shows history that the club has, right? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, and anything else, Warren, anything that you want to say to the fans, especially no. Newcastle fans in America? Just, just keep supporting the tune. You know, it's a much appreciated. I do a lot on social media and, and see wherever they are, whether they're in Philly or in LA or wherever. Um, just keep supporting the club. Uh, because as I said, the club's nothing without the fans. Yeah, no, for sure. And give Warren a follow on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Warren Barton too. Uh, so give him a follow. Great stuff there. Watch him on, on Fox soccer. It's awesome. Bundesliga coverage in the U S is, is awesome contract that we have going on there. And obviously a lot of youth talent Americans that are playing in the league now, which is just makes it even more of an incentive. Do you, you love, you love doing that, right? 
Yeah, I enjoy. It. I have fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. really an enjoyable league to see the uh, to see the players perform. Weston McKinney obviously getting a goal the other day. Uh, yeah. Josh Sargent as well. So, yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's a good league. Great, great. Well, that concludes our interview with the legend of the time, the legend of CHN Radio, Warren <laughs> Barton. We appreciate your time today, and fans, just. Stay on. Stay on the course. Do what Warren said. As loud as possible. Sing the club's name. 90 minutes. We can do this. We can do this together because this city, this club is bigger than any man. That concludes our interview, and I have one thing to say, and that's away the lads.